Well, good morning, everybody. Come on now, if you know me, you know I like a lot of feedback from the audience, so, so I'm counting on you this morning. Are you up to it? Yes. All right. Well, I was telling the group as we were praying this morning uh, that just, just listen, you may have to forgive me in advance because I'm feeling a little Pentecostal this morning in this message. <laughs> And so, so if I happen to jump off the stage or spontaneously combust or something, then, then uh, you know, the Lord is here, I guess. Uh, well, I am so glad to be with you this morning. My name is Darren Morehouse. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, let me just tell you uh, that I love this church. And I'm very grateful for all of you. And we were out of town last week up in uh, Oregon. And beautiful place, crazy people, but beautiful place. And so we, we attended a church up there and I just, it made me grateful to be back home and to be with you this morning. And one of the great things, and, and I guess I'm calling you normal, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it's great to be, great to be with you and I'm excited about the message this morning. I'm excited about the series that we're in because one of the things that I love is when I see intentional acts of people to make other people's lives better. And what I mean by that, you may have heard of a story uh, that happened a little over a year ago in Florida where a lady was going through Starbucks and she paid for her drink and paid for the car behind her. And that set, bless you, that's, that set off a chain of events that lasted for eight hours of people buying the car behind them, by paying for their, their order. And so almost 400 people were affected by this random act of kindness. And so I love to see the, that dynamic. In fact, sometimes I'll probably, I'll admit this to you because you're my friends and, and, and I trust you, but I don't, I'm not overly emotional, but every once in a while I'll find myself on YouTube watching uh, these videos of random acts of kindness and, and my eyes start sweating. And that's the one thing that as I'm watching the videos where I get emotionally moved because I love seeing people's lives made better, even if it's just incrementally. But what I love more than that is when you take a life that looks broken and is hopeless and is shattered and in pieces on the floor. I love the fact that everybody else says, you know what, it's over, game over, you're done, there's no hope for you. But I love the fact that Jesus comes into our lives and say, wait a minute, it's not over. This is just the beginning. I love it when he, when I look at a situation, I think, Lord, I don't know how you're going to get out of this one. I don't know what you're going to do. And, I, and we're in, I'm, I'm counseling people in my office all the time. And, and there's sometimes I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is the only way this gets fixed is if God shows up and does a miracle here. And he's done it so many times over the years. And I'm a product of one of those. I, I had an illness when I was a kid and wasn't supposed to be normal. And some people would argue that, but I wasn't supposed to be normal. I wasn't supposed to be healthy. I wasn't supposed to live. But God came in and did a miracle in, in an instant as my mom took a step of obedience. And so I'm a product of it. And, and so I love that. And listen, if you're here this morning 
and you're hopeless and you're like, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know which direction I'm supposed to go. I don't know how I'm, I don't know how to proceed. Let me tell you this morning that there is hope for every situation in here, whether that's broken relationships, broken lives, a bad business thing, a bad thing at work. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to ask you this morning to elevate your level of expectation. Would you do that with me this morning? And just ask yourself the possibility, what if God showed up in the middle of my situation? What would happen? How would I respond? How would I, how would I walk that out? Because I believe that God wants to do it. Fortunately, our God is a God of the impossible. So what we think is impossible is not impossible with God. So there's hope for all of us this morning. And what I want to do is I want to look in John chapter 5 today. And we're going to look through uh, verses 1 through 13. And we're going to read this all the way through. And then we're going to kind of break it down. And so what I, what I love about this is I've preached this section of scripture several times before. But as I opened the Bible up to read this at time, he highlighted things that I'd never seen before that never stood out to me. And so I believe it's a word for us today because, man, he just shined his light as I was, as I was reading through this. And so I, I really believe this is a message for all of us this morning. And so let's look in verse 1. It says, Later, Jesus went to Jerusalem for another Jewish, Jewish festival. In the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool with five porches, and its name in Hebrew was Beth Zatha, which is also Bethesda. Many sick, blind, lame, and crippled people were lying close to the pool. Beside the pool was a man who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw the man and realized that he'd been crippled for a long time, he asked him, do you want to be healed? And the man answered, Lord, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. I try to get in, but someone else always gets there first. Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Right then, the man was healed. He picked up his mat and started walking around. The day on which this happened was the Sabbath. When the Jewish leaders saw the man carrying his mat, they said to him, This is the Sabbath. No one is allowed to carry a mat on the Sabbath. Now I want to stop just for a second. I've found that when something good happens in our lives, when God blesses us, it always brings around two kinds of people. You've got the people that are going to jump in and celebrate what God has done and they're going to rejoice with you. But you always have the people that get mad at you for what God does in your life. And so you've got these people that, you know, here was a guy for 38 years. He had struggled. He'd wanted to get in the pool. He wanted to be healed. But you would think that the religious leaders would say, wow, this is a great thing that God has done. But instead, what do they do? Hey, you're not supposed to be carrying around your mat. Totally missing the fact that Jesus d just did a miracle. And so I'm going to throw this one in for you for free. Get away from people that can't celebrate the successes and the blessing of God in your life. That doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything for us. God is a good God, and we've, we've got to surround ourselves. That's why we come together. That's the purpose of the church, is to come together and to celebrate the King of glory and the great things that he does in our lives. Amen? Amen. 
And so, so anyway, get those, get, get the, cut off the anchors. If people are dragging you down and sucking the life out of you, just get away from them. All right, back to the story. Verse 11, he says, but he replied, the man who healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. They asked him, who is this man that told you to pick up your mat? And this is fascinating. He says, but he did not know who Jesus was. And Jesus had left because of the crowd. So he didn't recognize, he didn't know this was Jesus. He didn't know there was anything spectacular about this guy, which is very curious. But if you're unfamiliar with this story, what would happen, it wasn't on a set schedule, but an angel of the Lord would come down and begin to stir the waters of this pool. And as soon as the waters were stirred, the first person into the pool, God would touch him and God would heal them. And so you can imagine where it talks about all of these people around there, you can imagine the, the chaos and the, the competition to be the first one in the pool every time the water was stirred. So constantly, everybody is waiting, watching the pool. They're so, so engrossed in, in the angel coming down that, that it, it creates a scene of chaos around this pool. And so that's the setting. But I, the, the important thing here is look at where the pool is located. In verse 2, it says, In the city near the sheep gate was a pool with five porches. Now, the sheep gate, it's located on the... My voice keeps cracking. I don't know what the problem is here. Just, just put up with me. Uh, but it, on the northeast side of the city is where the sheep gate was. And that's what they, where they would bring the animals in to sacrifice them in the temple. And the interesting thing, I don't know, how many animal lovers do we have out there? Okay, I happen to marry a Kansas farm girl who I dearly love. But not only is she an animal lover, but she raised, a bun she raised our kids, all of which are animal lovers. So if you go to my house today, there's, there's about six horses, and there's some chickens, and there's rabbits, and there's a snake, and there's dogs, and there's a cat, and there's a sheep, and there's, there's all of this stuff. And animals are awesome until you have to clean up after them. And so, so the stink, and so you can imagine this is where they would bring all of the sheep in. Now, if I'm going to put a pool somewhere, I don't know that that's going to be my first choice. But here was this pool in that. And then to top it off, just to the west of the sheep gate was the fish gate. And that's where they would bring all of the fish into the city. And let me remind you that they didn't have refrigerators or ice. So, so here you have, the, you have the fish, you have the sheep, and for good measure, let's top it off with a large group of people around a pool, sweaty, have been there. This guy was there 38 years. So you, you, do you start to get the picture? This probably was not the, it was probably pretty pungent, I would guess. And so, so you have this whole scene, and it's interesting to me because this is the place that Jesus decides to be in the middle of the stink. And so, so he shows up here and it goes on. In verse 5, it says, Beside the pool was a man who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw the man and realized that he had been crippled for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to be healed? 
Now in our house, we're all bilingual. We speak English and we speak sarcasm. And when I see a question like this, I'm like, come on, Jesus. This guy's been here for 38 years. If he had something better to do, don't you think he'd be doing it? But instead, this is the question that Jesus asked him. Do you want to be healed? And, and the interesting thing about this is he says in verse 7, Lord, I don't have anyone to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. I try to get in, but someone else always gets there first. So the way the guy chooses to respond is answering a question that Jesus doesn't ask. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And the guy comes up with an excuse of why he's not healed. Instead of just saying, yes. And so I always find that curious. What, what is the deal with that? Why are you answering a question that Jesus doesn't ask? And the reason is, is because this guy is so conditioned to his routine. He's so conditioned with not getting into the pool. It's become his routine. It's not, he's disengaged from his life. And what Jesus is trying to do is to snap, snap the guy back into it. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed or not? And so he's trying to break this guy out of his, his routine. And, and he's trying to elevate him. To a place, from a place of hopelessness to a place of being hopeful. Because so often in our lives, we get so used to our routine that we can't recognize anything that deviates from the mess that we've got or from the situations that we're dealing in. And that would be my question for each one of us today is to say, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be delivered? Do you want to walk in power? Do you want to walk in God's mercy and grace? Because we've got to snap out of our routines and our daily thing that we do in order to recognize it, in order to grab a hold of it. And that's what Jesus is saying to each one of us. It might not be a healing, but Jesus looks at our situations and says, are you satisfied? And my hope is, for me, I am dissatisfied. I want more of God. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better person. I'm not satisfied. I'm dissatisfied because I know there is so much more that God has for my life. And that's my prayer for each one of us, that we would get so tired of the dissatisfaction that we, could, that we would snap ourselves out of that. And here's the interesting, Jesus doesn't even ignore, Jesus just ignores his answer. Do you want to get healed? Lord, I do it every day and I can't ever get healed. And Jesus just completely ignores him. And what does he do? He says, pick up your mat and walk. Right then the man was healed. He picked up his mat and started walking around. So here's a man that's been totally dependent for 38 years. But on this day, Jesus comes to him in the crowd, recognizing him as, a, as an individual, recognizing what he's been dealing with. And he says, you, pick up your mat and walk. So as I stand up here and look at you this morning, I see a group of people. 
But Jesus looks beyond the group and he sees us as individuals. You're not lost in a crowd. You're not alone. God sees us. And it's such a beautiful demonstration of the intentionality and the love of Christ that's extended to each one of us. How he looks past everything else and recognizes where we're at. But he doesn't say, you've suffered for 38 years. Let me get that mat for you. I'll carry it for you. Or he doesn't say, hey, can you grab this guy's mat? He's been through a lot. Let's do this for him. No, what does he do? He puts the responsibility of the first step on the guy. He doesn't delegate that out. He's not waiting for somebody else to come in and do it for him. He's saying, you pick up the mat and walk. And when he did that, God healed him. And so can God interrupt? Is God powerful enough to interrupt our lives and do it for us? Absolutely. He's more than powerful enough to do that. But he doesn't do that. Because his goal is not to dominate us. His goal is to work with us. And so he does what he does, but he requires a step on our behalf. He requires a, a partnership with us. He requires action of us. And he sees the one that's broken, the one that's frustrated, the one that's in the stink, the one... He does that. He moves past him. He goes to the one. And he said, I'm going to heal you, but I need you to do something. And so it's God's desire to rock our world. I mean, he wants to come in. He wants to, as I said at the beginning, he wants to come in. He wants to exceed our expectations in the way that he moves in our lives. But he is not going to force himself on us. And I believe that some of us have been waiting on God when God is sitting there saying, I've already done it. I'm waiting on you. And that's my challenge to all of us this morning is, is getting past the point that we're waiting on God to do something in our lives and, we're a, and we take our step and we meet him. Listen, we can't do what Jesus has done. We can't do what God's offered in our life. But you know what we can do? We can take a step towards him. So that looks different for each one of us, depending on what God or, you know, what we've got going in our lives. But the key to unlocking the power of God in our lives is taking a bold step. So my question for you this morning is, what's your step? Because each one of us are different. We've got people in here, you may have never prayed to accept Jesus into your life, so we've got that. We may have others, you've been walking with God for 50 years. But you know what? It still requires a step to have God move in our lives. And so the key is identifying, okay, Lord, what is my step? What do I need to be doing? What, what do I need to step out on? I just counseled a gentleman the other day that, that is battling an alcohol addiction. And so when he came in, he's like, man, I want to be, be changed. I want the power of God in my life. I really want to pursue him. But this thing is, is dragging me down. 
And I don't know if it's my age or whatever, but having two addicted kids uh, that thank God are in recovery and doing great now, but having dealing with addiction personally, it's not a flowery conversation of, or a punitive conversation or anything else. What it is is, hey, pull your head out and let's get to work on defeating this thing. So the conversations look very different uh, prior to me dealing with addiction in my family because you would always use little buzzwords and scriptures and little Christian phrases to try to encourage them. But I've, I've learned it's such a crazy beast to battle that you can't have, it's, it's a take no prisoners conversation. So as I'm talking with this guy, I'm saying, okay, the only way you're going to get out of this is if you do what I tell you to do. And so I said, there's three things that you have to do. Number one, I want you to start journaling. Number two, I want you to get in with a group of people and start studying the Bible and start reading the Bible. And number three, I want you at every service for the next six weeks. I want you in Celebrate Recovery every week. I want you in Man Time every week. That, those are your steps. And I think that was about eight weeks ago. And he's done that. And it's amazing the transformation that's come into his life. Now, now we all know, uh, we know the nature of that beast. But he took those steps and it's bearing fruit in his life. And so, others, you may have given your life to Christ. You may have... have you may know the scripture inside now. You may have all of the qualifications. So what does a step look like for you? I have no idea. But I do know this. It could be that God is calling you to, to come to church more often. It could be God is calling you to serve in the community. It could be that God is calling you to plug in and serve in women's or men's or in life groups. or I, I don't know what that is. It could be to develop a lifestyle of prayer and reading his word. But I do know this. If we pray and we ask God, he'll let us know. And just so you know, you don't have to be perfect. I've prayed so many wrong prayers that God has given me the right answer to. I figure that he must know my heart. So there's a saying that, that I have that I use quite a bit, and that is it's easier to steer a moving car. You don't have to take the right first step. Just take a first step. Just give God something to work with. Sometimes we're so paralyzed that we haven't planted any seed. We haven't done anything that God can take and bless, but yet we expect him to just show up and do these miracles. And I'm telling you right now, we have to engage with God. We have to take a step with God. We've got to give him something that he can turn around and that he can bless and that he can work in our lives. Do you believe that? And so, because God is not looking for excuses to avoid you. It doesn't matter how bad that you can be. God is not looking for excuses to avoid you. He's looking for opportunities to work in your life. He's working for opportunities to manifest his power, his life, his strength, his hope, his joy in our lives and in our situations. And I love that about him. I love that you can't screw your life bad enough up that God can't heal it and God can't come in and fix the problem. 
That should be hope. That's, that is, gives me great hope because I'm really good at screwing things up. So I appreciate the fact that knowing, I have the confidence of knowing that his desire is to move in me, not to avoid me like the plague. And so I think we've got a, a, a great picture of that. Would you watch this video with me? How'd you like that? Uh, I'm Mariah, and I'd like to share a story with you about how God saved my life. Um, I believe I started using alcohol as a coping mechanism pretty much right after my daughter passed away. She uh, had gastroschisis, uh, which was a birth defect, and I was a few weeks away from um, giving birth, and I had found out that she had passed away. That same day, I was induced and uh, after 38 hours of labor, I gave birth. Um, and, you know, she was the most beautiful angel I'd ever seen. But I was feeling the most immense pain that I had ever felt in my life. And pretty soon after that, I started drinking. I mean, it slowly progressed over, over time. And I did have a son um, a couple years later. And I felt like I had control of my drinking then, but I still never dealt with that pain and that emptiness. And over the next several years, um, several arrests, uh, legal problems, and losing people that I loved, um, I was in a really dark, empty place, and I knew that my way wasn't working. For the first time, my boyfriend, at the time now, he's my fiance, took me to AA, and I had gone before, but this time it wasn't court ordered. <laughs> I wanted to be there, and hearing the stories of other alcoholics that had weeks, months, even years sober blew my mind. I, I couldn't fathom. I had tried and only could manage a few days to not drink. And I decided to give it a shot. I remember when I finally fell to my knees and I asked God to take it from me, to take control of my life. And that's when I found Jesus and he saved me. And it was through God's grace that I celebrated five years in April sober. I, I was through no willpower on my own because I had none. I really believe that um, Christ rocked my life to um, give my hope to other addicts, to other alcoholics, and to also other grieving mothers. And I've been able to empathize with people who have gone through the same thing in my sobriety. God has blessed me, and I've been able to follow his will for my life and his calling and open a children's entertainment facility and bring joy to children in our community. And, you know, I went from having nothing to where I'm at now, and that's because of Jesus. That's because of God in my life. And I know that there are so many people who are ashamed are hopeless and who are fearful to ask for help and I'm here to tell you that God loves you right where you are you're worthy of his love and that there is hope God takes the impossible and he makes it possible is that awesome
I love that. I love that. Taking a step towards God and having him show up. What an incredible thing. And I, I, I think as we wrap the message, there are three big ideas. Jesus came into the mess to touch one person. And one of the big things, as soon as I started reading the scripture this time, one of the big ideas that jumped off the page to me is there's not a mess so big that it's going to keep Jesus away. The messiness of our lives is just not enough. And many times that's the one thing that keeps us from taking another step because sometimes we're, we're fearful of making a situation worse or we're fearful of not doing the right thing. But let me tell you, God is not afraid of your mess. It's not big enough. It's, it's not bigger than God. And in Romans 8.38, it says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus will come in right in the middle of our mess and bring peace and life and hope. And I'm here to tell you this morning, he is here for you. Whatever that looks like. Number two, we don't have to be experts in God or church. Sometimes it's intimidating to come into a church because you don't know the rules. What do I do? How do I dress? What, you know, how do I function in this thing? I don't know the lingo. I'm not a the theology expert. I'm not, you know, this guy did not even know that it was Jesus that was asking to pick up his mat. He had no clue. He didn't, he didn't know anything about it. So there's hope for us. We don't have to be experts at coming into church and knowing what the rules are. Of having all of the, uh, of having the Bible memorized, of knowing, I'm tired of being an expert. Uh, I, I, I don't want to pursue being an expert in church or religion or anything else. I want to be really good at having a relationship with God and with other people. That's what I aspire to. Look, my pea brain, my hard drive's full. I try to cram scripture in there, but it doesn't stick a lot of times. That's why I keep my Bible handy. We don't have to be experts. Listen, I'm underqualified for everything God has ever had me do. I'm woefully underqualified for everything God has ever had me do. So there's no expectations on God for me to come equipped and knowledgeable and educated about all of these things. He just is like, shut up, get out of the way, and let me move in your life. Stop talking. Listen, I want to move in your life. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The only qualification we need for God to move in our lives is to be broken and lost. That's the only qualification. I nailed that one. 
And that's, what, that's one of the things I love about the church. Listen, this is a church of broken people in need of a Savior, in need of God coming in and bringing his life and his spirit in his power. And it doesn't matter if you're on the stage or in, in, in a chair. Listen, we're all the same. There's nobody better than anybody else at this church. We're all pursuing Christ because he's the one who brings life and brings his grace and brings his hope into our lives. I love that. It takes the pressure off. You mean I can be normal and, and pursue Jesus? Yes. Please. Because nobody can stand you when you're acting crazy. Just be you. Number three, we have to act and pick up our mat. James 4.8 says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Listen, just come near to God. Take a step towards God. Everyone at the pool wanted to be, wanted to be healed, but it's the one that took the step that was healed. And it would be easier. It would be way easier if God would just exercise his strength and fix all of our problems, but he wants to work with us. He wants to partner with us. He wants to, to, to take whatever faith that we can extend, and he wants to add his power and his life and his strength to that situation and bring about his plan in our lives. That's his goal. And so that's the question as we... As we Go from this place today. The question that I'm going to ask you is the one that I hope sticks in your heart this morning. Is what is my next step? What's my step? Lord, reveal that to me. What's my step? And I could tell you, for all of us, we're at different points in the journey. But the first step that we all have to make is to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I know many times we do altar calls and, 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 and we do a call to faith and, and we either, we've fallen away, we rededicate our lives to the Lord and different things like that. But I'm going to ask you if you would bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. If you've never, maybe you've never had the opportunity, maybe you've never taken the opportunity but there's, is there anyone in here this morning that would say, Pastor Darren, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to lay my life down. I, wanna, I want to experience the power in the life that you're talking about this morning. Is there anyone that would be bold enough this morning to raise your hands and say, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Christ this morning. I want to make sure I make the first right step. Come on, boldly now. If God is speaking to you in your heart, amen. Would you follow me in this prayer this morning? Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it loud, say it strong. Everybody say this together. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God. And this morning I give my life to you. And I ask you to take it. Broken and messed up. Knowing that you're the God that comes near to me. 
Lord Jesus, we're so grateful today that you are the God that loves us, full of grace and mercy, full of power, full of strength. And you choose to, to come down into our situations and bring your life and your hope and your power. And so, Lord, we're grateful for that this morning. And Lord, I pray for every person in here this morning, wherever they're at, whatever their next step is, whatever their path is, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would reveal it in their lives this morning. I pray that you would flood their hearts with your light, that you would open the eyes of their understanding, that they can walk in bold obedience with where you're calling and leading them to. And Lord, for every situation in here, if it's a relationship, it's a life, whatever it is, Father, I pray right now that you would begin to breathe your life in that situation. I pray, Father, that what, what people call dead, you can bring back to life in an instant. So if there are broken relationships, Lord, I pray that you would bring restoration. I pray, Father God, that you would strengthen marriages, that you would strengthen family relationships, business relationships. Lord, show yourself strong in the name of Jesus. We're so, so grateful for you. And we praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. What an awesome thing. Can we give the Lord praise this morning? I, I, I'm so grateful that he doesn't leave us or forsake us. And that he's faithful. And for some of you, I believe, and I'm going to be praying this week, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to our prayer, prayer team to pray about, just for our next steps. God, what do you want me to do? What step? How can I step out and get breakthrough in these situations? And, and for some of you, that's one of the things that we're highlighting uh, in our services, the next steps about how you can plug in, about how you can pray. And, and so we've gone over it several times, but there's a card that has next steps on it. And if there's any of those things in there, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, um, you can text one to 505-412-4880, and we'd love to connect with you and follow up. If you text two to the same number, it's, uh, and you've accepted Jesus and you want to move on to the step of baptism, you text two. Uh, number three is to learn more about the church. Maybe you're new around here and you'd love to know what's going on. That's text three. If you want to get plugged into a life group and gather around a smaller group of people and study scripture and, and begin to connect relationally, that's four. Number five, maybe God is calling. Maybe you're in need of a financial breakthrough and, and, and one of your steps may be giving. Uh, it, that could be it. And so you text fi uh, five. Number six is to serve, to be able to plug in to the things we're doing in the community, to the things that are going on around here. Maybe you can find your place in that. And so, so if you follow up with that, we, we would love to help you. We'd love to be able to continue the conversation about how, what is the next step? And so one of the other things, if you're battling with addiction in here, a lady by the name of Stevie Gomez for the last several years without much fanfare has run our Celebrate Recovery program and done an amazing job. 
And I don't know of anybody that's more passionate about help, helping people with their hurts and their habits and their hang-ups. And so she's going to be out in the plaza immediately following the, the service. There's a table out there. And if there's some addiction things or other things that you're working through, I would encourage you to connect with her. It's a great way that that could be one of your steps. And so I want to encourage you in that. Listen, I love you guys. I appreciate you being here this morning. And, and listen, when God starts doing stuff in your life, you need people around you that will celebrate with you. So let us know what God's doing in your life and as this thing plays out in your life. Okay? Would you commit to that for me? All right. Three people. All right. All right. Bless you guys. Have a great day and go and be bold for God. Amen?